And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you in our listening audience on this uh, on this 21st of March, the first day of spring in 2020. Uh, life is anything but normal these days. Uh, we don't have to go into the details of that, but we'll try and bring a touch of normalcy to your Saturday morning by talking baseball on the bat around. Stan the Fan, Craig Heist, Paul Valley, all in place. Gentlemen, first of all, I'll start with you, Mr. Valley. How are you doing? I know you're not working. Yeah, I'm, I'm keeping my head above water here. You know, I'm doing a little side jobs. I have some generous family, so I'm, I'm staying afloat right now. How about you, man? How are you doing? I'm hanging in there, hanging in there, uh, missing my mass and shifts. But, uh, you know, and things are tough here from an ownership standpoint, so I'm on both sides of it. I'm on talent side and ownership side, and uh, things are uh, difficult, needless to say, from a business perspective. Craig, how are you doing? No work, no games, just hanging around watching some TV, brushing kinda up. Like, kind of like after college. Well, yeah, kind of, you know. <laughs> uh, brushing up on my culinary uh, skills, so uh, we're, we're making that all right. How are you getting along with the roommate? Huh? How are you getting along? The cat's <laughs> pain in the ass. <laughs> How's the wife doing? Uh, I guess she's all right. <laughs> all right. Is she keeping it together? Yeah. All right. Good, good. And I uh, trust all of us are safe right now So for the time being. Hey, remember, uh, remember, folks, humor is a, a very, very big and positive thing uh, during times like these. Have a sense of humor and and try to do your best to smile every now and then. I will never forget the late Art Modell. You remember when he was going through his blood infection? Yeah, yeah. yeah he was yeah. extremely sick, and they, they thought he was going to pass away. He told me after he got better from that that he, in his daydreams there, he started memorizing all the jokes that he knew over his life. <laughs> And he gave them numbers uh-huh. so that he didn't have to remember the whole joke to himself. He'd go, number 14. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he'd good. start laughing. He'd go, number 19. But uh, I'll never forget David Modell told me the story uh, about when he was in a coma during that uh, situation. And uh, everybody is around the bed. You know, yeah. uh, David, his first wife. Pat and John and the, some of the grandchildren, and all of a sudden his eyes open, and he goes, "I feel like a 19-year-old." And David goes, "Pop, Poppy, what, what's going, what's going on? You feel like a?" He goes, "Do you know where I can find one?" <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, that was Art Modell. I'm so, just saying, so you, you whatever your it. sense of humor yeah. is. Make sure you use That it. was a pretty good one, though. I always remembered those two those two stories because when he told me he had, you know, because so, Art was a great joke teller. Right. You know, he was a great joke teller. Anyway, we are here to talk baseball, and here's who we've got on the show. Uh, aside from what's going on with the 
COVID-19 and coronavirus. Um, we've got that Trey Mancini story uh, that uh, happened rather quickly, Craig. Uh, you know, I got down to Florida on May the 4th, and this was announced Which was a Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. and I think it was announced the very next day. Um, it was announced that uh, Trey Mancini had a malignant tumor in his colon and was going to have to have that operated on. Subsequently, he's had the operation. We don't have the pathology reports out yet, um, and I don't know if they'll be released publicly. I guess if there's good news, they'll be kind of released. If there's bad news, they'll they'll tell us sort of the story, and then they'll sort of be released. But we're keeping our fingers crossed. Jeff Seidel, a freelance writer that has written for The Sun for a long time, writes for us, writes sits for next Jay to Moore. Me, sits yep. next to me uh, during Ravens games. Yep, Jeff Seidel. Battled this same thing that Trey Mancini had um, has, and uh, Jeff battled it with some great grace. About what would you say, three or four years ago? Uh, yeah, I would think, I think three, three, three or, or four, four years, years ago. Yeah, yeah. And Jeff is doing well now. Uh, he nears the five-year marker, uh, and that's a key time on recidivism with uh, cancers. Uh, so Jeff Seidel will be on with us to talk about little bit about what Trey Mancini's going going to be battling and the practicality of whether or not, you know, I hear some people, uh, and I'm not bashing him, but we had Matt Zells on last week, and Matt was sort of talking about it, uh, you know, about the Orioles and getting Trey back almost like it was a pulled calf muscle, you know. Mm. Um, I, you know, I think if Trey does get back at all this year, if there is a season, I think we're looking at September at the earliest that he would get back. Well, if, either if that or, or, you know, for Trey's sake, I wouldn't be opposed to him missing the entire year yeah. to have a full year of recovery right. and, and be ready to go in, in 2021. You know, I, I could see him starting to work out and getting into sure, game sure. shape and maybe going to the Arizona Fall League or something just to get some at-bats in so he, so he's not a full year away from, you know, but you can work in the cage, too. Anyway, we'll talk to Jeff Seidel at 1020. Rob Nelson's going to join us. You remember Rob Nelson. Yes, he's I do. He's the founder of Big League Chew. We'll talk a little bit about Big League Chew celebrating, I think it's 47th anniversary, which That's is amazing. pretty astounding. Yeah. Uh, but I also had him on. Because we'd be preparing all of us right now for opening day right. if these were normal times. And I thought we'd talk a little bit with Rob Nelson about some opening days pass for him in the minor leagues and in foreign countries. Dave Tremblay, former Orioles skipper, uh, is uh, available and loves to talk baseball. I thought I would grab him to talk a little bit about how he sees the impact of all of this on the Orioles and other teams as they prepare for a draft that now I would say that the date, I don't have the date in front of me. I'm guessing it's somewhere around June the 8th or 9th or something like that. Do you know? June 2nd. June 2nd. Okay. Um, The Orioles have a very important first round pick and they've got picks early in the second round and um, you know, what What does this do to the draft and their ability to really know who they're picking? So we'll talk to Dave Tremblay a little bit about that. Uh, I didn't want to bother the Orioles with trying to get Mike Elias on, but maybe we can do that 
in the near future. Then a good friend of mine um, who has written several books, um, and he's written for GQ and Esquire and Vanity Fair, the New York Times. Bruce Bouchelle is going to join us, not about what he's written, uh, but about the fact that he's been playing fantasy baseball since 1981. So he nears his 50th anniversary, uh, 20 and 19 Wait a minute, 20 and 19, it's 39. Nears his 40th anniversary of playing fantasy baseball. Never has missed a draft. You know, all the things people go through to get to their draft. I had a story five years ago. My uncle Herb, who I love dearly, had turned 100 years old on January the 10th. He died four days before our draft. And, I mean, you know, we knew he was going to die. It was a question of whether he was going to die on Wednesday or Thursday. And in the Jewish religion, you don't do uh, funerals on Saturdays. So it was clear. And I was the only guy on my team that was capable of drafting. My other partner was going to be in Detroit or something like that. Um, Now that I think about it, probably the team would have probably been in better shape if neither one of us were there. Anyway... If my uncle had died on Thursday or Friday, the funeral would have been on Sunday, and I probably couldn't have gone to my fantasy baseball draft. I don't know what I would have done, but he died on Wednesday, and that made the funeral on Friday and allowed me to get there to uh, my fantasy draft. Boog Powell's going to join us at about 1140 to talk 1970 World Series, 50th anniversary of that World Series. Also... As you remember well, uh, he and Eric Davis both went through colon cancer the same summer yeah. of 1997. 97, yeah. And uh, Boog Pal has survived it. He's 23 years beyond it. We'll talk to him a little bit about that and about uh, his barbecue business, all right? All right. Sounds Maybe good. he'll send us some sandwiches up from Florida. You think they'd stay well? Uh, you uh, know, probably not. Probably not. not. No. Yeah. So we'll give him the valley. All right. You good? Yeah, sure. All right. So our <laughs> what time? It's 10.10. 10. I thought we were getting close to 10.20, which no, is when no, we're no. calling Jeff Seidel. Um, Craig, you have any thoughts on h- how you see uh, sort of a field division, you know, like a quarterback surveys the field? How you see this playing out for Major League Baseball? Do you have any sense? Well, I was on a conference call with Mike Rizzo yesterday. I was on a conference call with Brandon Hyde yesterday. And uh, I didn't get a chance to ask Brandon Hyde. Uh, but but what I did ask Mike Rizzo was, does he have a uh, a game plan, as, as or not a game plan, but just a, an idea in his head of what would be a representative season how many games? In other words, I said, you know, I think the number is probably a hundred. I was, I was thinking a hundred. Is it a hundred, hundred and twenty, something right. like that? And even he didn't know. So right. I mean, I, I think all the baseball professionals, as they're trying to figure this thing out and going through their options uh, and seeing not just how they're going to put their teams together, because let's face it, pitchers were wrapped up pretty much. Going five innings at least, you know, from the starter standpoint. They were very close to being stretched out Pretty to, much go stretched six, out to go six, six seven, seven and maybe nine, 90 pitches, that kind yep. of thing. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's all got to be taken into consideration. You know, Stan, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping sometime late May, toward the end of May, 
and if that happens, then I think you can have a representative type mm. season and a competitive season. What I don't want to see happen is get into the postseason and then have your World Series go into mid-November or they have to change sites because of cold weather areas and that kind of thing or, or play the damn things in domes. That, that I don't want to see. Well, I, I'm much more cynical now that I see the scope of what's going on and comparing where we are with the uh, medical experts that I listen to, uh, comparing Italy and that we're about 15 days behind Italy, you know, 16 days. Um, I don't see how we're going to – I this is me personally – I don't see how we're going to be able to ramp up in May. I think this thing goes. Well, I said least, the end of May. Well, I th- I think we're looking at much closer to the end of June, maybe mid July, and I, I really have some doubts whether they're going to have a formula that's going to be very satisfying to allow them to play this year. I just uh, I don't I don't know that I see that. Paul, you have any thoughts on that? Well, I'm looking at it, and you see that. China and Korea are kind of getting back to normal. Korea, yep. start, th- their professional sports leagues are starting to get back to playing games probably mid-April. Uh, they, they said probably about four weeks away or so. Um, what are the chances that Major League yeah, Baseball— Remember, those countries started their problems cl- two months before us. Well, that, that's, that's a and good they point. they went on extreme lockdowns and had a, a very high level of testing done. So they knew the scope of that. You know. that, that. That's a good point. And I know that we're behind a lot of these countries. I think that Italy has an older pop. They have the second oldest population in the world. And they ha- their health care isn't what our health care is. Um, so I, I, I don't like necessarily the comparisons to Italy. But what are the chances that they get this thing with Major League Baseball ramped up and they play they play in front of empty stadiums for the first you know two, three, four weeks of the season? What are the chances of that? I, I could see that as a possibility, uh, you know, just, uh, and again, a, a lot of it depends on where we are a, along with how this is uh, curtailed and when that time comes, but there could be extra precautions where I could see games, maybe not four I, I, weeks. I don't see, I don't see how, how it's going to be safe for, for, it's not safe enough for fans to come to games, but we put the players on airplanes and they fly around traveling i i don't see this i think it's either safe for all or it's unsafe for all and i think that they're i think the the science is telling us this you know look i'm not a scientist but uh i i sort of watching this thing grow daily in the united states and to me the numbers keep growing exponentially the more testing we do so i you know i i don't know i hope you you guys are right you know i hope there's Ways to, to, to practically get the game of baseball. Plus, I think there's going to be other people. I think there are going to be people that, well, you wouldn't know that looking at the pictures I'm looking at now from down at the cherry blossoms in, in D.C. Stupid. There's all Stupid. kinds of people walking around down there uh, to take a look. But there, there could be, Stan and Paul, I think, a situation where uh, uh, until this is really over and done with, that – People just decide to themselves they won't come out to the ballpark. That's certainly a possibility. There's no question about that. No question about that. Um, I am trying to get, for some reason, the press box page is not coming up fully 
allowing me to like and share the program. Well, Are you guys I, having that? I problem? lost my connection. There it just is. A now while I finally have. It. Uh, okay. So what I'm urging everyone to do, please, we're <coughs> we're here uh, doing a show. We uh, want you to sit back, relax, and uh, be entertained and informed. Uh, and uh, we'll say that for the most part, uh, it's entertained. We're not uh, putting ourselves off as experts in the field of science or medicine, uh, but we're keeping our fingers crossed that everybody in our audience is doing the safe things, the same things, and uh, we'll continue to do that. All right. Um, Jeff Seidel is going to join us. Uh, Craig, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Costas Inn right now because we got a minute. We normally do great ads, and you do about eighty percent of them of each ad and each one. They're 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 usually open seven days a week, and you know what? Damn it, they're open seven days a week right they now. They are. They sure are. And they're open from eleven in the morning till nine at night, mm -hmm. and they have delivery in the neighborhood within five miles of the restaurant. I'm sure if you call and you're six and a half miles from the restaurant, they'll probably, Leroy will probably deliver it to you. But um, the Costas Inn is there, like all the restaurants that want to stay open, they are doing carry-out only. My wife Jane and I, the other night, we called a few friends of ours. We wanted to support the Costas Inn because Nick and Pete... Uh, and the family have uh, supported our programs for going on 25 years for the old Stan the Fan radio shows, um, the, the newspaper, the uh, podcast here. I generally call them and ask them to spend a little money, and they do, uh, and we're real appreciative of that. We picked up for six or seven of our friends, and um, it was really, really nice. They put the stuff in bags with names on it, we didn't have to get out of the car, interact with them. They put it in the car. Cur curbside delivery. Curbside delivery, all packed immaculately, you know, nothing sloppy, you know, uh, and the food was delicious. We're still eating. We had crab cakes last night. My wife has rationed out shrimp over three nights. I had a steak the first night, which still tasted pretty good. We had to... Uh, heat it in my oven, and then broil it a little bit more. I liked it a little more well done than they made it, but it was absolutely delicious, uh, and it made it took my mind off of some of the issues that were going on in the world. Uh, we urge you, uh, and Craig, I know you urge them as well, to get over to the Costas Inn, uh, and all you have to do is call them up at 410-477-1975, and order your meals, you know, and you can order a, sort of a crab cake package. You can order pretty much, yeah. I think, anything off the menu. And you can order yeah. crabs right now. And they feel, with a lot of places closing down temporarily, they feel that the crabs are going to be in, in, in great supply right now mm -hmm. from Texas and Louisiana. So my wife, who's not a crab eater, says next week we got to get some crabs. So we're going to probably well, there you go. mosey out there and get some crabs. The Costas Inn is your place. I know they don't spend any money with us. Is Baco doing carryout? Yeah, they're doing carryout, uh, curbside delivery, even delivering alcohol. Since Hogan said that we can, Governor Hogan said we can do that. So yeah, uh, actually, some of my uh, some of my coworkers were in there last night, and made some solid money considering. Okay, so that's all right. My cousin Ron Matz made sure to include a big tip 
for the waiter, waiters and waitresses. I chimed in. I don't know if the other people who paid by credit card did that, but please remember to tip your servers. A lot of times in carryout, you don't tend to think of it as, well, they're doing that. So do we have Jeff now? Yeah, He's yeah. We got Jeff on the line. So the Costas Inn, again, the phone number 410-477-1975. And Craig, one other thing for people out there, the fact that we're in the midst of this terrible coronavirus and COVID-19 and pandemic doesn't mean that there aren't birthdays and family things that you can plan to celebrate. Yeah. Now might be a great time to buy a gift card. Yeah. Uh, call up at 410-477-1975. Put it on your credit card. They'll mail it to the person or mail it to you, and then you can hand a it. A gift card. Person. I'll tell you what else is good. Is, good. Uh, well, tell me what. Is, is gas cards. If you have... Friends and, and you can buy those at the Costas Inn. No, no, not there. But you can just <laughs> no, other locations. Yeah, uh, like, was, like <laughs> Royal Farms, for example. Right, they Royal spend Farms. money here. They certainly do. <laughs> and uh, you know, but I mean, you know, for truck drivers, because those those people right now are kind of the backbone of what's yep. happening in terms of getting things delivered. So, yep, yep. they're um, at the front line of yeah, things. Absolutely. And again, thank uh, every doctor, nurse. Lab Tech, uh, all those folks, they are really at the front line, and we got to figure out a way to get them the uh, the uh, the safety gear that they need to uh, take care of us. All right, joining us right now is Jeff Seidel. Jeff, how are you, my friend? How you doing? Good, good. Hey, good. Jeff, what's up? What's up, Craig? Jeff, we we normally turn to you to tell stories in sports. Uh, you know, uh, who won this game, this high school game, this Oriole game, uh, the Ravens. Uh, we're turning to you for a little bit different reason. It's been, what, four summers or three summers since you had the same exact problem that Trey Mancini has? Uh, it's been f- four years. It, they were, it was diagnosed late January of 2016. 2016. So you're in four years, four <clears throat> years out from this right now. That marker of five years, is that still kind of the most really important landmark? I know you get tested quite often, but that's really one of the most important markers, isn't it? Yeah, I'm actually late for one of my tests, but now with all this, but um, going on, but yeah, uh, if I can, as long as we make it to the five year mark, I'd long, you know, then. Then that's that's a good point, and then uh, I think then I'll allow myself to say I'm a cancer survivor. I still have a hard time saying it, and actually, it's it's very difficult. Even though a lot of people, yeah, you know, say it because uh, it was just so much to go through. Yeah, when you know when I sat next to you quite a bit in the press box at Oriole games that first summer that you had gone through the chemo and were going through it. Um, you and I talked off the air the other day. One of the things, I guess, it, your work is so important to you, and it defines who you are, and you're just kind of a, uh, a warrior. You just are out there battling. But you admitted to me you thought you kind of went back at it more full-time too soon, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, no question. I I think in some ways I was doing it more to keep my mind off of yeah. The other things that were there, and and I guess that's understandable, but I should have I should have stepped back and and looked at it from a more um, maybe balanced point of view. But at that point, um, I, it was just 
you know, I just wanted to, to get the heck, you know, going again, get back to my schedule and try to do the best I can, and and it probably wasn't the best thing to do. Well, yeah, but, but on, the, on the other hand, though, uh, I would think from your own sanity standpoint, it was probably a good thing for you, even though maybe from a physical standpoint and and maybe a uh, uh, a situation of maybe strength and that kind of thing it might not have been but for you know for your own mental wealth or health I should say probably was a pretty good thing for you well I'm not sure how much sanity I have right now um, <laughs> I'm not sure how much sanity I had back then but uh, the biggest now the biggest thing was um, and I've talked to my internist about this several times it just came out of left field and it sounds like the same thing with Trey. Yeah. It just came right out of left field. I had been having symptoms of being washed out, taking long, crazy naps for days and days and days, and having, you know, like if I walked on an uphill slant, I'd get out of breath. And I had lost like 20 pounds, so it didn't make sense. And then I was losing my appetite and all kinds of other stuff. And this was going on at least a year and I just never put two and two and two together so to speak and you you ha- you kind of have to finally um, I went into the doctor it took him five minutes literally five minutes to say that I was anemic and when they did a blood test they found out that I had lost 70% of my blood wow 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 uh, you know, one of the reasons I'm sure you also worked your tail off once you got into the routine, the chemo routine and all that, was frankly just the practical need for money. You know, look, you, Craig, and I have been in this business a long time, uh, and we've bounced around. You know, it's just the nature of the business, and uh, not a lot of us have tremendous money set aside uh, to live, and we're going through it right now. You know, it's simple. Yeah, I mean, that was so. I think was, part of your part of your motivation was probably, hey, I can't miss this much time. Yeah, and uh, and that was a problem because I missed the whole month of February, pretty much. I missed at least half of March, and we had had you know we had we had had some some money put away. Quite frankly. I thought we were in a good spot, and then, then by November it was gone, pretty much. But what can you do? It thank God it was there. Yeah. You know. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on though was to talk, uh, and this is not a knock against anybody, but I think there is a tendency to talk about Trey Mancini like he's got sort of a, a pulled calf muscle or an ingrown toenail, or you know, or plantar fascia. Uh, they say, you know, uh, hopefully he'll be back soon. Uh, in your estimation, what is the reality? And again, we, we don't have the pathology report or even not that we'll see the actual report, but we don't know the pathology of what was removed. That's step one. But after, even after that, what are the realities here with what Trey Mancini can or can't do? The only thing I can do is compare it to what I had and what I went through. Right. Um, there's four different stages. I was in stage three, so I wound up having to get, I was supposed to get 12 um, treatments, and it wound up being 11 just because of something goofy that happened. Um, and the worst part is your the fatigue that you have just adds up and up 
and up and up, and by like the fifth treatment, it would take me literally two hours just to get out of bed in the morning. Mm. Okay. Um, it was that bad, and so they so, started. So they you, started putting me on like Advil and and uh, um, Tylenol around the clock right. to help me. You don't get much. The, the, the funny thing about this is you, you don't really don't get much um, nausea because they give you medicine to do it. The biggest problem he's going to have is he's going to have to overcome that if he has something that's, that's higher up. Now, he's been released from the hospital, from what I understand. Right. So yeah, if he's, he's been home. released. He's home, yeah. Right. If he's been released and he's home, I'd be surprised if they didn't have some idea where this is going. Okay. Because um, I know with me, I was operated on on a Tuesday, and by Saturday morning at like 11 a.m., they said, okay, you know, you're going to have to have chemo. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. And, you know, the other thing was with me, and again, I don't know if this translates also to Trey, but I, I would think there's something in there that does. You have to, they usually, my doctor told me, my surgeon told me they wait six weeks after the surgery before even starting chemo because your body has to heal. Right. Let me ask you this, uh, and, and again, I'm of the belief that, you know, you know if we don't see Trey Mancini at all this year, uh, number one, his health and well-being is the biggest thing and the most important thing. Uh, but the other part of it is if, if you're an athlete like Trey, how much does that help in recovery in terms of the shape that you're already in, even though you've had this surgery? Um, I think is if he has the same type of treatment that I did, it's straight. It's basically like straight up steroids, mm-hmm. and what that does is that'll add like forty or fifty pounds to you. Right. So um, I'm still working on it. We're talking to Jeff Seidel, a freelance writer in Baltimore, who's written for PressBox, longtime son, high school writer. We seem to be having a problem even on your home line. Jeff, can you hear us okay? Yeah, I hear you. Okay. Well, we're not hearing. We're... You, you seem to be cutting out a little bit yeah. here and there. Here, let me move. How's this? Is this better? Ah, yeah. yes. Ah, much better. There you go. All right. I shifted to a different spot in the room. By the way, I've got to remind folks that we are sponsored and broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studio, and we thank those folks for sticking with us through the tough times. The Live Casino Hotel Studio is where you're listening to the batter round. Uh, Paul, did you have a question? I do, Jeff. Uh, Thanks for coming on the show today. Um, How long after your prognosis and how long after starting the chemotherapy and the radiation and then finally getting past this thing. I know you said there's a five-year waiting mark for it. How long till your mind got back to a sense of normalcy to the point where you weren't thinking about it all the time, or has that ever happened? Because I know it's got to be in the back of your mind. I'll call you when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> We're not there yet. Uh, it's, it's hard, and it's... Uh, you know, there were a lot of nights, you know, when I was laying in bed thinking, you know, what the hell did I do to deserve this? You know, but then you can't take that attitude. You have to just keep moving forward. Yeah. You just have to. You know, I, I, think I was fortunate. All I had okay. to have was Jeff, all I, I think had it's was okay. Jeff, I think it's okay to have that attitude, but just let it pass through you very quickly. Right. Yeah. And that's what I did. That's yeah. what I learned to do. Yeah. But if, if it hadn't hit me 
by surprise and come out of the blue like that, then it would have been a different. I went to the doctor and thought I had the flu. You know, and it wasn't quite the flu, but you know, for for Trey, I think you know that's something that he'll have to that that he's going to have to figure out and, and have to work through too. And he seems like a strong, tough kid, and it, I feel I feel worse for him because you know he's twenty eight. He just turned twenty eight, I think, this week, yeah. and that's a lot to deal with at that age. And and he's always going to have to be watched, you know, for this, you know because of what the situation because it's you know it's not a small situation it was the tumor was malignant uh, one quick question i know you're not a doctor but uh, would you say that the chances are because 28 to have a problem like that is f- pretty unusual i think you know in other words this is usually a problem they don't they don't tell men to really have colonoscopies until until they're 50 normally, under normal circumstances. And I think that used to be like 60. Uh, so is there a, a, probably a family predisposition to this sort of thing? See, I I'm not sure about that. That's that's something, you know, that, that he would have to answer for you. I, I'm not sure. I mean, the only thing I do know is that they said that since they found mine at 53 that my son has to get a colonoscopy at 45 and my, I think my daughter has to get one at, uh, I mean, I'm 43 and my daughter's going to have to get one like at 35, yeah. something like that. But there might be something in his family. And I, I think one of my uncles had it, but um, I don't remember because he died when I was little. But, you know, there might be something, you know, in Trey's family from it, the the unusual thing about colon cancer is it takes a tumor like 10, 12 years to grow. Mm-hmm. So that's why colonoscopies are so important. If yeah. they can catch it in the early stage, you know, I remember the, my oncologist telling me in the hospital after the surgery, he said, if you had to get cancer, he said, this is what this was the, one of the better ones to get. So Jeff, not, not to be funny, but you're more in the shape of me and Craig Heist, you know, in terms of physicality and we're a little bit older, and you were in your 50s. Uh, Trey is in his 20s. He's a well-conditioned athlete. But you and I are in the agreement that this isn't something that six weeks from now he's going to be playing baseball, if if there's baseball. Uh, Would you guess that if he played at all in 2020, it would be sometime really toward the last month of the season? Yeah, I I would – think so unless it, unless they got this real 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 early right you know then it might be a different situation and in terms of the parameters of that i'm not exactly sure but if if it was something where you had to have like five six you know treatments i mean let's let's face it they couldn't even start chemo if they're still holding it to the same standard yeah until probably what late april Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if he has to have like five, or, and even if he had to have like five treatments, that's ten weeks. It's every other week. Right. So that gets you almost into mid-August. So, and the other thing is, one of the problems with chemotherapy is you can't handle heat, hot temperatures at all. Okay. Um, I mean, you can't. And for a couple days after the treatment, you can't drink cold water. You have to drink water that's room temperature, or the problem is your um, throat can close up for very, like for like a minute. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, let yeah. me ask you this, Jeff. Uh, you know, obviously, 
when I was covering the Orioles back in 96, 97, but 97, Eric Davis uh, had this issue and uh, he, he had the surgery and, and went through chemo. In fact, uh, he was going through chemo uh, where he would uh, take his treatment. He would be out of the lineup during the playoffs, uh, but then the next day he would be in the lineup. Uh, is, is, does that to, me, to you sound unusual, or, or is it certainly not the norm, I wouldn't think? Well, one of the things is, like, if I, if I would have my treatment on a Tuesday, I could be fine on Wednesday, I could be fine on, I could be fine on Thursday, you know, there was also another fun thing that went with that, which was, I had to wear, like, a belt around my torso for 46 hours while it was, while the chemotherapy was dripping in, so I had to do that too, but on Wednesday and Thursday, I'd be fine, I could do probably whatever I wanted, but it's the third day that you just get completely knocked over. Mm-hmm. And and that's I if I remember right, what Eric Davis was doing was something like that. He would take it and then he'd play a couple days and then he'd be off a day or two. Right, exactly. But you yeah, know, I, 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 was I just, remember that. I, I remember specifically during the the postseason he would take a treatment, wouldn't play, but then he was back in the lineup the next day. Yeah, I mean, those were those were the days that I liked the best because, you know, um, Todd Karpovich and I were splitting the Orioles beat that year for Sports Exchange, and and like I would do Wednesday on the weeks when I had treatment, I would do like Wednesday, Thursday, and he would do Tuesday, Friday, and then I would try to do Saturday and see if I could do that, and usually it was all right, but I was just really weak physically. But mm-hmm. you know, I just hope you know the hardest part for Trey is going to be with the heat. And the thing with the water and the endurance and how tired you feel. That's, that's you know, he's 28, I know, and he's a big, strong kid. But, um, he's you know, he's facing something that's tough. Hopefully it's only like in stage one or something where they don't have to do as much, I know, as they did with mine. Because the treatment they give you, as I said, is, you yeah. know, steroids and that's. That's pretty harsh. It, it, took, it took me until about six months ago to start getting my endurance all the way back, and they told me you're never going to get your endurance back. All right, Jeff Seidel, we thank you very much for coming on, t- talking about this very personal story that you went through and uh, how it might mirror a little bit of what Trey's going And through. the other part of that, too, uh, real quick, Jeff, is that you know with what you went through, I would think with this coronavirus that the pandemic that's going on, you are one of the high-risk type people to get this thing. Uh, so from that standpoint, number one, how are you doing and how are you making out? Well, they're, they're saying that if this was four years ago, then I, then I could be in trouble because my immune system was compromised. Mm-hmm. But now my immune system's fine. Well, good. So um, I've mainly just been staying in a couple times going out and grabbing lunch and bringing it back but i'm trying to stay in and not go stir crazy which can be difficult to do all right Jeff. sometimes but we're you know but we're working on the one thing i did do that i was proud of was before they did the surgery i asked the doctor if he was going to do an end-to-end anastomosis because i had seen mash the night before he looked at me he goes where the hell did you come up with that all right well it is always important to keep a sense of humor we That's were right. talking about that earlier on the show jeff thanks very much for coming on and best of luck in the future, all right? 
All right, take care. All right, there he goes, Jeff uh, Jeff Seidel. We'll let you know that parts of this program this hour are brought to you by the batter round. The the batter round is brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. Stan the fan and Craig Heist here. Um, let's do one other uh, ad right now. And we'll talk a little bit about the latest edition of PressBox, all right? Okay. It's out on the stands right now. Uh, I know you can't get into the couple hundred restaurants and bars that we're in, but you can pick it up at street boxes around town. Uh, on the cover, Bill Ordeen dives into the future of sports betting here in Maryland with the push for legalization. Some of the other things we we wrote about and featured this month, our college lacrosse outlook. Um, now a little bit, not pointless, but just there's not going to be the conclusion of a season. But you may want to read about uh, some of the best players, including John Hopkins, Joey Epstein, and Maryland's Brindy Griffin. Press box is available for free at normally, I would say, over 500 locations. I'm going to say we're probably available right now at about 225 locations around town, including the 60 Royal Farm stores. They are open. Uh, you can get gas, your food, uh, lots of other stuff there, drinks, milk, uh, bread, uh, at, uh, and that incredible uh, fried chicken at Royal Farms. You can uh, find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of sports at PressBoxOnline.com. Craig and I will be back with Rob Nelson in just a couple minutes. Sliders Bar and Grill is now operating with a full carryout menu. Eat just like you're out for lunch or dinner. Call Sliders at 410-547-8891. You can also see the full menu at slidersbaltimore.com. Sliders, one of Baltimore's original continuously operating bars, now with a full carryout menu, slidersbaltimore.com. If you're looking to make an impact, there's no better place to do that than the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to fight and cure deadly diseases, develop technologies, or seek adventures across the globe. The Army is where all of that can happen, and so much more. The Army is a team of a million individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation and the world, and to win. Ask yourself, what's your warrior? Go to army.com slash Baltimore to find out. To learn more, contact your local Army recruiter and find us on social media at U.S. Army Baltimore. Well, as you read about in the Washington Post, I'm getting a vasectomy. And no, it's not going to happen during March Madness, unfortunately. But it's still the right decision for myself and more importantly, for my family. And I was able to feel confidence in that decision after a great consultation with Dr. Brad Lerner at Chesapeake Urology. He really walked me through everything I should expect because I don't want to be expecting. To make your appointment with Dr. Lerner or any of the specialists at Chesapeake Urology, call 410 896 166chesapeakeurology.com. Chesapeake Urology is a leader in vasectomy surgery. Stan the Fan with a word about the Costas Inn. And if you're a friend of the Costas Inn and want to show your support for this family-owned restaurant that's been a staple of the community since 1971 at 4100 North Point Boulevard, here's the new reality. The only way to get the great food is by carryout. Call 410-477-1975. The hours of operation, seven days a week, are 11 
a.m. till 9 p.m. and there's free delivery from 5 p.m. till 9 p.m. if you're within five miles of the Costas Inn. Right now, they still plan on having crabs. Their supply line is great, but take a look at the menu at CostasInn.com and call them at 410-477-1975. You can also get that gift card over the phone and they'll mail it out to you. That's the Costas Inn, 410-477-1975. Still in business. Let's keep them that way. What has two premium cod fillets breaded and cooked to tasty perfection and served on a toasted buttered bun with dill pickle chips? It's the Chick-fil-A fish sandwich and it's back at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. This also means that the fish strips and deluxe fish sandwich have resurfaced. Chick-fil-A fish is the lightest, flakiest, tastiest fish you'll ever put in your mouth. Keep that in mind every Friday in particular. While unfortunately the dining room isn't open right now at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, you can still use the drive-thru or order ahead and pick up. Download the Chick-fil-A app, place your order, and pile up Chick-fil-A bonus points. Good for free food. 5198 Campbell Boulevard, 410-931-0031 for Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. Royal Farms is known for being real fresh and real fast, but we're also real Baltimore. That's because Baltimore is our home base and our home. Like purple and black, flamingos and sunglasses, or crabs and Old Bay, our subs are real Baltimore, right down to the name. We make them fresh, delicious, and to your order all day, every day, at a price that's easy to swallow. Royal Farms subs are another reason why Royal Farms is real fresh, real fast, real Baltimore. Being stuck at home isn't fun, but Glory Days Grill can help make your staycation a bit more of a vacation. Eating in can be awesome with the full Glory Days menu available for pickup. Lunch and dinner for a few people, the entire office, or your family with curbside pickup and easy online order. Go to glorydaysgrill.com or download the free Glory Days Grill app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Order now and get ready to pick your food up from one of their seven Maryland locations. Glory Days Grill. Great food. Good sports. Well, we are back on the bat around on uh, this Saturday, uh, March the 21st. And uh, we are just days away, Craig, as we uh, welcome in our next guest. We're days away from what would be opening day. Yes. Always a, one of the favorite days of the year. And joining us now is a guy who's been able to live the last 47 years as if every day is an opening day. And that's the founder of Big League Chew, and that's our friend Rob Nelson. Rob, how are you, my friend? Staying very well. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure. I always come to you with the at the happiest moments, like Jim Bowden's death <laughs> and the COVID nineteen. But uh, all kidding aside, you got to keep your sense of humor at times like this, don't you, Rob? You certainly do. There's the, uh, there is no alternative, really. Speaking of sense of humor, what was Bowden's sense of humor like, Jim Bowden? Uh, he was an awesome teammate. He, he would he would just say the most uh, pithy things just out of the blue that just made everybody just stop and stare in disbelief that he was so funny and such a good team guy. Just just comments about guys who had given up five hundred foot home runs. They'd come <laughs> off the field, and Jim would say, "How do you hold that pitch?" You know, and everybody <laughs> would just crack up. That's funny that, stuff. That is funny stuff. Um, tell uh, we you and I have talked about this on the air and off the air, but assuming we got 
different listenership today and viewership on Facebook Live. And we want to remind you, if you are watching us on Facebook Live, please like and share the show. And we're broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studios, which all the shows that we do here are uh, on, uh, broadcast from. Tell us a little bit about how you met Bouton and how the whole thing started with Big League Chew. The interesting thing about Jim is that he he was so accessible. Uh, I had uh, I was taking graduate school classes in upstate New York, and at the same time working on a knuckleball because nobody drafted the uh, the skinny left hander from Cornell with his eighty two mile an hour heater. So I was working on a knuckleball, and I wrote to Jim Bouton, who at the time was doing. TV sports in New York City. I think it was ABC. WABC, yeah, yeah. And I wrote a note and said, you know, I'm, I'm 22 years old. Uh, I, I, I've had a reasonably good college career, but nobody seems to want me. So I built the pitcher's mound with some help of architectural student friends. <laughs> and uh, I'm throwing knuckleballs every day. It's not working. Would you spend 10 minutes with me? And Jim wrote back. He sent me a postcard back, and he said, call this number after 11.30 p.m., right. which is when his show was over, and we'll see if we can get together. Long story short, I drove down to Teaneck, New Jersey. I asked for 10 minutes. I got an hour, and uh, it was just delightful. As things turned out, I got a teaching job. I went to Cape Town, South Africa. I was playing baseball overseas. So fast forward three, four years later, Jim and I end up being in the same clubhouse for the Portland Mavericks, that wacky independent team run by Bing Russell, Kurt Russell's dad. Kurt Russell's uh, dad, we yeah. Two, we, Jim was a Maverick before he was a Portland Maverick, and yeah. I think some people would, would say that about me as well. But I approached him in the clubhouse, and I said, Jim, I don't know if you remember me, but you know we met in Teaneck uh, two, three years ago. And, he's, and I said, we threw knuckleballs together. And Jim, you talk about a sense of humor. He says, Rob, as I remember it, I threw knuckleballs and you tried to throw <laughs> knuckleballs. It sounds. It so, almost sounds like he was the same guy on the field as he was off the field. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> I remember, I'm going to digress for a second. I remember an extra inning game in Walla Walla, Washington. We're playing the Padres. And it's about 1130 at night. And uh, Steve Katz, who became a doctor, uh, and Jim and I are walking from uh, the hotel looking for a place to eat. And, and Jim said, you know, I really feel like some Italian food. And Kat says, are you kidding? It's 1130 at night. We're in Walla Walla, Washington. And I said, I know a place. And we went there. <laughs> and Jim said to me, he said, you ought to write a book about minor league cities. Who finds an Italian joint with good food at 1130 at night? In Walla Walla, so Washington. I said, Thank you, Jim. I appreciate that. We finish our dinner and we're walking back to the hotel, and there's a Denny's, you know, a block away from the hotel. <laughs> and Jim says, You know, we didn't have time for dessert. I really want to get a Snickers bar. He says, I know Denny's always has M&M's and Snickers bars. Uh, so That's we great. walk into the Denny's to get a candy bar for Jim, and there were two bad boys with dates. I mean, it's now after midnight. And there were two 15, 16-year-old boys who have met local girls that they're taking out for a cup of coffee. And Jim looks at me and he says, what's wrong with this picture? We are the dudes. We're the guys. It's the bad boys who have the dates at midnight. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. There you go. So Absolutely cracked up. I still keep in touch with one of those two bad boys. 
and we laugh about it every time we get together. That's it's, very it's pretty fun. funny stuff. Very funny. Anyway, getting back to Jim and me, we just sat in the bullpen together. He pitched a hell of a lot more than I did because I was really, uh, I rose to my level of incompetence. So my job <laughs> was just to become a pitching coach and stay in the bullpen and cheer the other guys on. And Jim and I were observing teammates who were doing the spitting routine that guys do uh, back in the 70s with the other stuff. You know, they were chewing red man and the like. And Jim asked me if I'd ever chewed tobacco, and I said I tried it once for about 30 seconds. I can tell you exactly where I was and who gave it to me and so forth. And, and Jim said the same thing. He said it never made sense to me. And it was maybe an inning later when I said, you know, I've had this idea for some time that if we shredded bubble gum and put it in a pouch, we would look pretty cool out there and we wouldn't make ourselves ill. Right. And, and Jim's, Jim's eyes got as big as baseballs, really. He said, Rob, I could sell that idea. That's a, cla- and, that's a uh, classic story. And it was maybe a half inning later. He said, what would you call it? You know, we're just kind of ruminating, watching, you know, in, in between pitches and so forth. And clearly out of the blue eyes, I just said, I don't, I don't know, big league chew? It was it was like a name that just my dad always calls it lightning in a pouch. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and now it's on fun. a handshake. And the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it well, is. Well, you know, Jim said Jim said he could sell that idea, and within two years, it was on the shelves on every uh, convenience store in America. He found a division of Wrigley. He used to say that I, I had the inspiration, and he was the perspiration. And that's absolutely true. He did all the work. I went back to pitching and playing ball uh, overseas, and Jim was the one who was pounding the pavement. So, and, uh, so from he made the it from from that conversation, it took about two years, right, to get it on the shelves. Yeah, that's about right. It was okay, the summer so seventy seven, and at the end of seventy nine, they went to production. And first week in January nineteen eighty, forty years ago. Big League Chew became a reality. Okay, so it's 40 years ago. Okay, I th- I misstated earlier. I said 47 years. Uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable story. Um, before I get into a couple other stories, because we got our friend Adam Gladstone listening, but I just wanted oh, to... That's fun. He's listening, and he wants me to ask you a couple stories, and I will get into them. But I did want to ask you if you've got any funny or, or heartwarming opening day stories, because... All the baseball fans in the world now are particularly bummed right now. We know what we're up against to a certain extent, but but we're missing this week would be the opening of baseball. Well, maybe three weeks ago I was down in San Diego and met for breakfast with Bill Lukasik, who was my middle school best friend way back in the 60s. And we were talking about Friday the 13th, April, April 13th. 1960, 1962, right. when my, my dad, at the time NYPD officer, Harold Nelson, drove Billy and I into Manhattan and dropped us off at the Polo Grounds. Opening day, first game ever for the New York Mets. Wow. And Bill and I, we, could, we were living the dream. We couldn't believe it. It was a rainy, cloudy day, Twelve or 13,000 people there. I remember my dad, and Bill remembers this too, my dad said, you know, Rob, I think it's going to rain. Why don't you guys just go see a double feature? I'll pick you guys up at 5 o'clock. Right. <laughs> we're in the middle of New York City, right. and we're two kids from Massapequa, Long Island. I mean, we're two skinny, uh, wide-eyed kids in, in, in the Big Apple. Did that get... Go ahead. Go I'm ahead. sorry? Go ahead. Go ahead. 
I, I said, Dad, we've got to go, even if it's only for one inning. This right. is history. Right. And and here we are. So that was my opening day memory. I remember the smells of the polo grounds, Frank Thomas hitting a home run. Who and the star- first time I heard the fans say, let's go Mets. Who started that game? Was it Carlton Willie? Carlton Wally? Good question. I don't think so. Al Jackson? I just Is it possible no, it was Al, Al Jackson? I, I think he started on the road. I know it wasn't Roger Craig. Okay. It's interesting. I had, I used to send mail around mid-February to every general manager or to every team and ask them for their schedules and stickers and decals. And I remember the Mets sent me, and I think it must have been no. I remember getting a a something that was special. It was a scorecard. Um, and it wasn't used, but it was a scorecard from a game with Al Jackson as the starting pitcher for the Mets. And I thought it might be, yeah. maybe it was the first night game they played in their history or something like that. Left-hander right. Alvin Jackson. Yeah. He could he, play. He ended, up, <laughs> he ended up a Orioles pitching coach under Frank Robinson. He was a good pitching coach. Well, I don't think I knew that. Good yeah. choice by Frank Robinson, yeah. but he made a lot of good choices. So, so let me ask you a question. You tell us that story, uh, uh, Adam Gladstone says you got to ask about the story we had dinner at the Lobster House with Billy Ripken, John Habian, Rick Wise, etc. He says if you need a good laugh, do you remember this <laughs> dinner? Well, it was the uh, the Aberdeen Arsenal, uh, the the one season they were in the Atlantic League. Might have been two, but I think this was their first season. And I was out, my brothers. Both worked at the Lobster Inn. It was a 40-year institution on Long Island in Southampton. And uh, I had said to Adam, you know, after a Long Island Ducks game, when the Arsenal were up on Long Island, we should go out and uh, and have dinner at the Lobster Inn. I've got some good contacts there. My brother Harry's the maitre d', my brother Ed's tending bar, and the lobsters are awesome. So we did it, and it was a rainy night, and the electricity went out, and I rented a van, and I took, I don't know, eight guys from the Arsenal, the pitching staff, the coaching staff, rather, and, and a couple of ball players, and we had an absolute ball. But the place was jam-packed, and I had given my brother Harry the heads up, and, uh, uh, and there were no reservations there. But when the team, when the, the team of guys on the bus walked in, uh, I said, Harry, I described Adam, and I said, uh, I'm going to come in right behind him. And sure enough, my big brother looks over at the front door and he says, uh, Gladstone party of 10. And we had immediate <laughs> seating and nobody knew that we were, uh, we were posers. Now he says, he but says, it, was, it was great. The lights went out, uh, because of the lightning and the thunder and so forth. And we just had an absolute ball. It was, it was quite unbelievable. It's just a great minor league experience. Bill Ripken, for some reason, was the manager that weekend. Okay. I think it was. Uh, Evans was the manager, but he had to go to Atlanta for some kind of Atlanta Brave. He might be in the Atlanta Braves Hall of Fame or something. He wasn't available, so Bill took over, and he gave me an Aberdeen Arsenal jacket and put me in the dugout, and he says, if anybody asks, you're the team physician. Now, he says, (laughs) Adam's texting me the blow-by-blow. He says, to add in the piece about Dan DePace. (laughs) Dan DePace (laughs) pitched in the Carolina League. Right. Uh, in or played in the Carolina League, rather, when my brother Harry was there in, I think it was 1966. And uh, DePace was the batting champion that year. So it was just an amazing convergence of baseball history. If you stick around long enough, you meet everybody you ever pitched against. 
And of course, the pace said he went six for eight against my brother, and Harry has no memory of it. But I'm I'm going to go with Dan's uh, remembrance of the whole thing. It was pretty funny stuff. Although Dan the pace, he he had a few too many cocktails, (laughs) and the next day Adam said, "I want to thank you for that dinner. That was just awesome that you spread that you spent for the whole meal." And he said, "I did what?" He said, "Oh yeah, you gave us your credit card." That's and everybody just was on board, just kept a straight face. That's very of course, fun. the lobster in took care of us, but Dan had a, a few anxious moments. How he's going to explain a $1,200 bill to his wife. And the lobster, in, the lobster Inn was a real play. It wasn't the Lobster House. You know, the Lobster Inn was like a sort of a decent place. Lobster Inn was like the clubhouse for, oh, a couple of hundred people for 10 years. It was like being part of a minor league team. Gotcha. I mean, gotcha. I started there as a dishwasher in 1969, and it was my brother Harry and Skip Tollefson uh, on a boat going over to Europe for a semester abroad from Wagner College. They became fast friends. Skip was from Brooklyn. We were from Long Island. Harry would take Skip out to uh, the East End to party in the Hamptons. And he saw this little building that at one time was called the uh, Shinnecock Hills Yacht Club. And with his dad, he bought it and paid his father back in two years. And the Lobster Inn was an institution forever. A lot of really fun people worked at that place. Some of them became kind of a big deal. Two of the waitresses, is the biggest story in the history of the Lobster Inn, Eileen Fisher, who's got a $300 million a year clothing company, and Kathleen King, who created Tate's Bake Shop and sold her chocolate chip cookie business uh, a couple of years ago for $500 million, were the most successful Lobster Inn alums. Uh, but the rest of us were worker bees, and we had a hell of a time. We're right. grateful to Skip Tollefson. Time and again, I run into people, and we remember stuff. It really was like being on the Portland Mavericks. Hey, a I'm, great opportunity. I know you're not a scientist or anything. Do you have any thoughts about when you think we could possibly see baseball, Rob? Boy, that's, that's a tough question. I, uh, I would like to hope by the 4th of July that would be a great comeback uh, for the game. When all this took place, I thought, well, wouldn't it be great if the season opened on Jackie Robinson Day right. on the 15th of April? Not, not a lot of people realize that was the first game Jackie played in the big leagues and it, because it was opening day. Baseball used to open on April 15th. Right. And I thought, wouldn't that be symbolic, like you know, uh, a back-to-the-future kind of thing? But I don't know. I think we're looking probably the 4th of July. I sure hope yeah. so. I don't think it's going to be any earlier than that, and I'm even dubious about that. Rob Nelson, yeah. the, the co-founder of Big League Chew and still running the thing, we really appreciate your joining us, as always, and we'll touch base with you. Hopefully, uh, if there is an opening day, I'm going to get you on right before it. All right? Sound like oh, a plan? Dan, that would be awesome. Stay safe out thank there you with so your much. family. And baseball fans everywhere, just keep the faith. We're going to be back. All right. Thanks, Robbie. Appreciate Thanks. it. Bye now. Right. I got a feeling your phone's going to ring in a minute. It's going to be Gladstone. <laughs> I'll talk to you All soon. Right. Thanks, Dad. All See right. ya. All right. Uh, there you have Rob Nelson. Two guests down, three more to go. Dave Tremblay, former Orioles skipper and uh, uh, big league coach, major minor league manager, and also at one point in time was a director of minor league development with the Atlanta Braves, so knows a thing or two about the draft We're going to touch base with him about the upcoming, or is it upcoming, big league draft. Uh, Bruce Bouchel, longtime friend of mine from back in the early 70s, 
like 73, 74. Uh, have I really known Bruce? Let's see, it's 20, 46 years. That's amazing. Uh, Bruce Bouchel, uh, writer for GQ, Esquire, Vanity Fair. He's also a longtime fantasy baseball player since 1981. He'll join us at 11:20, and then Boog Powell's going to wrap things up with us and talk about the 50th anniversary of the 70 World Series. Talk a little bit about his barbecue business and how things were going down in Sarasota and uh, how fun it is to be in spring training with the team these days. And also, we'll talk to him about the similarities between what he went through in the summer of 1997 with Trey Mancini as well. Uh, Dave Tremblay is up next, and I think we've got him on board right now. And he is a former skipper of the Baltimore Orioles, Dave Tremblay. Dave, how are you? You're on with Stan the Fan and Craig Heist. Well, it's nice to join you two gentlemen. I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, amidst all the insanity that's going on, how much do you just simply miss the fact that there aren't box scores, uh, transactions, getting ready to play opening day? Well, I think we all miss it. You know, those of us that, uh, you know, have a real strong attachment to the game, it's there's no box scores, there's no news, there's no games. I mean, you can go to MLB Network and see some replays, but um, it certainly is a, a very eerie, different time, and I sure hope everything gets straightened out real soon. Now, we just had the former, uh, the, the, the owner, proprietor of Big League Chew, which has been around 40 years now. Uh, we asked him what he thought. Uh, we closed with him asking him when he thought baseball might be back. We're certainly asking people for an unscientific, but their own gut and what they're reading the tea leaves. Do you have a sense of when you think they could possibly get back, Dave? Or are you going to leave that to smarter people than us? Well, I would, I would hope it'd uh, get back by Memorial Day. I think that would be a a real good time to, to get the season started. You know, I think the players are going to need a couple, two to three weeks of spring training again to get the pitchers ramped up. And uh, But I would hope that uh, maybe this situation could get cleared up and we could start playing some baseball by Memorial Day weekend and maybe start it with a doubleheader everywhere. I think that'd be a good way to get it going. All right. That sounds Dave, good. let me ask you this. Just uh, because of everything that's going on, number one, how are you? How's the family? Well, we're doing okay. It's a little different down here in Florida. Uh, every day there's there's something new. Um, you know, the governor has uh, come out today, and now all the restaurants are closed. It's only takeout uh, services. Uh, you know, down here in Daytona Beach, you know, it's a very big tourist attraction, and um, a lot of the hotels are really hurting. The airlines are hurting. Uh, people in the service industry are you know, being uh, put aside, but our health is good, thank God, so far, but, uh, you know, our lifestyle is, is kind of quiet here. We live in a real small area in Daytona Beach Shore, so we're not venturing out, we're not doing any traveling, and I think that's probably best, and I'm sure that's what a lot of other people are doing right now. Whenever we get back to playing baseball, Dave, no matter what that date is, as, as a former manager and a longtime coach, do you see... How much do you think it would take in terms of maybe an extended spring training or a shortened thing uh, to get people ready to play again? And I say that specifically because of the pitching standpoint. 
I mean, we were at a point in spring training where guys were just very, very close to being fully stretched out, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, the season suspended or spring training suspended. Uh, how long do you think that's going to take? I think it takes three weeks. I think you got to get your guys back in there in the first uh, five, five to seven days. All the pitchers go on a throwing program. Uh, then they'll have uh, probably two days where they'll throw live batting practice with, you know, throw five to seven minutes, have two days off, then the next time throw eight to ten minutes, and then they'll be ready for a game. And then I think their first game they probably, you know, the starters would be limited to probably 35 pitches. Normally, in a normal spring training, your five starters when spring training ends, you'd like to get those guys up to 90 to 100 pitches so that when they they start the season, you know, you'd like to think you could get six six innings out of them. But, um, you know, I, I think it might be a little bit different because, you know, those guys, like you said, were ramped up. Now they've had to s- shut it down, and they're going to have to gear it up again. So I think three weeks and, is and- going to be um, necessary for those guys to get going because you don't want to go too fast. Because if you go too fast, guys are going to end up getting sore and they're going to get hurt. Yeah, and that's the one thing I was going to say. The, the, the biggest concern out of all of this is if it isn't done the right way, you're probably going to see some injuries in the pitching staff. No question about it. Um, and you're going to have to play some games, whether it be inter-squad or in-camp games or games against your minor leaguers. You're going to have to get, it, you know, spring training is for the pitchers. It's the yeah. position players could get ready in 10 days. But your pitchers are going to have to pitch, go and sit down for three outs, go back out and pitch again. That's really how you get in baseball shape. So they're going to they're need to, uh, you know, face some game action. Uh, question, do you think the commissioner and the powers that be would ex- expand rosters maybe at least for, say, the first 30 days of wh- whenever the start time is to maybe have an extra couple pitchers on your roster? I think they're going to have to do that, Stan. I think right now they're probably in negotiations with the Players Association. You know, the the rosters this year were going from 25 to 26. I wouldn't be surprised if they go to 28 when this thing uh, gets ramped up. And, um, you know, I think what you do is you'd have to have a couple extra pitchers because, you know, with the rule being now that a guy's got to come in and face at least three hitters um, and you're going to have to guard against you know, bad weather and not taxing guys and watching pitch limits, I think you're going to have to expand your pitching staffs to probably 15 um, per club. We're talking to Dave Tremblay, former Orioles big league skipper, uh, back in 2007 to 2010, parts of both 7 and 10, uh, but was the full-time skipper 8 and 9, 2008 and 9. We're broadcasting from the live casino hotel studio, and Dave, I wanted to morph into an area that I haven't heard a lot of people talking about. It's just starting to percolate a little bit. The 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 amateur draft, uh, where teams uh, pick their their you know top twenty players, twenty five players. I forget how many rounds there are now, but that's due to go off on June the second. And I remember reading something when I was in Sarasota. Something Rock Kabatko wrote after talking to Mike Elias, and Elias said, "Yeah, well, we'll probably as soon as we break camp here in Sarasota, that's when I'll really dig in, 
you know, and start visiting the players and all that. And we've we've known for a long time who the top players are, so we've visited with them. But we'll be watching players carefully. There's no high school, no college baseball going on. Is is the draft going to go off as scheduled, or do you think we're in for the need to delay that? What do you think? No, I think they're going to have to have the draft. You know, Major League Baseball wanted to coincide the draft this year on Omaha right there yep. in the College World Series, which I thought was a great move in order to, uh, you know, really bridge the gap with, uh, you know, the college sure. situation and, and professional baseball is going to be in June. But when I was a farm director for the Braves for four years, you know, I sat in on those draft meetings and um, was in on the draft. And really the way it goes is, you know, the scouting directors and the cross-checkers, they know who the guys are. Mm-hmm. They, the, everybody knows who the guy I mean, these guys are, are earmarked with all these perfect game and, you know, travel leagues and all the college leagues, Cape Cod, all the summer college leagues. As a junior in high school, those guys are earmarked, and the guys that are sophomores in college, they are earmarked so they can come out, you know, after their junior year in college. Um, really, what Major League Baseball does is the guys that aren't your top picks, and I would agree with Elias because I know what the general manager for the Braves did in the off season before spring training, along with the scouting director and the uh, Maybe a guy like Terry Crowley, who was working for the Orioles at that time, who, yep. if the Orioles were thinking about getting a hitter, you know, he would go see that guy play and then report back and kind of give his two cents on whether or not he thought this guy was a feature major league hitter. I know at the Braves, it was Fred McGriff that traveled around to look at the hitters, or, or Greg Walker, former the major league hitting coach. But um, the front office goes and has in home visits with the guys that they're thinking that maybe if their time came and they're going to be in the first one, two, or three rounds, they're going to go basically do an interview and assignability. And, hey, if we took you, how much would it take? Uh, You know, maybe we'll give you above slot money or below slot money because we're looking to kind of get a couple other guys. So they've already visited those guys. They know it. But the later rounds, and the rounds go to 40, and every major league club has at least two rookie ball clubs that start in June. Some teams have three. So really the guys that are in limbo are the guys that are going to be taken in the late rounds because teams have to fill those two or three rookie clubs. I know when I was a farm director, I'd have to send in a list to our scouting director and say, okay, our two rookie ball clubs that start in June, here's what our needs are. We need two catchers. We're going to need three infielders. We need five outfielders. We need six pitchers. And then those late rounds, after they've gotten the guys that are earmarked to be their top picks, now they would go look to get those guys to fill your rosters out Mm -hmm. for your two rookie or three rookie ball clubs. So it is quite a process. And I know in the draft room, you know, there's a lot of video. They bring in, you know, all the main scouts, the cross checkers, your major league general manager is there. The analytical people are there. They're showing videos. They bring guys up on screens. But And there's a big board that every guy that's eligible to be drafted is on the board by position. But teams, they have their rankings of who the guys they would take because they know who's first, who's second, which guy might be available. And then as a guy gets picked, you know, the boards get adjusted. Do you, I certainly hope there's a draft because, um, you know, it would signal that baseball is going to be back in full swing. Yeah. 
I wonder if you think a team like the Orioles drafting second overall would would something like this favor them once you get into rounds maybe three and four, where maybe they sneak a couple guys in that are overlooked that they had high a year ago that maybe some teams have forgotten about, or is that too naive a thought? Mm, I, I think, uh, you know, most of, for, for these guys that are the high picks, yeah. most of the opinions don't change. You don't really get surprised. Uh, I'd like to say, you know, the cake's in the oven. Yeah. People know who the the big guys are, and unless somebody comes up with something and finds out there's an injury or there's a makeup issue those rankings really don't change and it's hard to surprise somebody in the industry because i tell you the scouts are so good and they they really do their homework and they find out everything about the player and um, most of the scouts have a lot of a lot of experience so they're pretty good at evaluating the future ability of the players now i know you're you're you worked with the Houston Astros. I know you were on the field under Bo Porter, but you must have gotten to know Elias a little bit and watched how he worked because he was sort of their minor, their you know player development player guy, development yeah. guy uh, and and headed their drafts. Uh, can you can you give us any insights on how good he is at that? Well, Mike's got a great background in uh, scouting uh, and player development. Plus, I think the thing that attracted him uh, to become the general manager of the Orioles. The Orioles were really lacking in the international signing. And Mike's got a great background in signing international players and he's got a a real good pipeline. And I know he's brought some of those guys over to the Orioles in scouting and the international uh, program. But Mike is very articulate. Um, He really relies on the opinions of other people. And I think, you know, the Orioles are in really good shape uh, to build this thing. It's going to take them two or three or four years to stockpile the minor leagues and to really work in scouting and player development and nurture their own players and bring them up in the system. But I think um, I think Mike will do a great job. Dave, we really appreciate the time this morning. Uh, please, you and your family, stay safe, and uh, we appreciate your insights on this topic. All right? Well, I wish you and everyone that's listening up there the best, and let's hope there's baseball soon, and we can uh, divert our attention to to uh, yeah, you know some things. box scores and yep. and some highlights. Hey, Dave, I still I still know where the dead bodies are buried. <laughs> <laughs> Greg. I tell you what, you can call me anytime, and we'll go off the record, and we can talk about a lot of stuff. <laughs> hey, right, you guys man. are the best. Thanks, Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Dave. Bye. Always Bye. a pleasure. <laughs> All right. What number did Dave Tremblay wear? Forty. Uh, I want to say it was forty-seven. 47? Yeah, forty-seven. Right. Yeah. All right. Hey, to make an appointment with Doctor Lerner or any of the specialists at Chesapeake Urology, call four ten. 896-1616 or go to chesapeakeurology.com. Chesapeake Urology is a leader in vasectomy surgery. And Craig, how fitting to go from vasectomies to the Costas Inn. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> don't forget during this uh, unfortunate pandemic that we are uh, experiencing that's affecting everybody, the restaurant business in particular, uh, because places are shut down. But the Costas Inn 
is uh, open for business in terms of carryout. 11 a.m. till 9 p.m. and local delivery service from 5 p. to 9 p. Right, exactly. And uh, you can get pretty much anything on the menu you want, including the steamed crabs. Crab cake, Crab cake. Crab soup. soup. Yep, absolutely. Or and any of the specials, too. Monday night is crab cake night. Tuesday night is rib night. Wednesday night is steak night. I think it'll be a little difficult to get the the part the the half price bottles, bottles of, of wine. wine. Yeah. You can ask though. Uh, and Thursday night is lobster night, right. and there's all kinds of other specials too. But my wife loves the tuna melt there. Uh, there's all kinds of different. Call things. them up yeah. and tell them you want the blackened scallops. All right, four ten four seven seven nineteen seventy five. They've been there for us. We're there for them. Uh, the community needs to support our some of our favorite places like the Costas Inn. Uh, we will return on the other side, but I've got to tell you about real quick that we are brought to you in part by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. Is that because you're holding the finger up, one? No, the best barbecue in the area <laughs> is still available. Blue Pit Barbecue in Hamden continues to offer their full menu for pickup or delivery, including pounds of meat and quarts of their mouth-watering sides. Plus, you can pick up drinks like their household-fashioned and their delicious mules. Find out all the daily alcohol options at bluepitbbq.com, where you can also place your order called Blue Pit Four four three nine four eight five five nine zero. All tips go directly to their service staff to support them during this tough time. Support a great local business with the best barbecue in town. That's Blue Pit Barbecue. Stand the fan with a word about the Costas Inn. And if you're a friend of the Costas Inn and want to show your support for this family-owned restaurant that's been a staple of the community since 1971 at 4100 North Point Boulevard, here's the new reality. The only way to get the great food is by carryout. Call 410-477-1975. The hours of operation, seven days a week, are 11 a.m. till 9 p.m. And there's free delivery from 5 p.m. till 9 p.m if you're within five miles of the Costas Inn. Right now, they still plan on having crabs. Their supply line is great, but take a look at the menu at costasin.com and call them at 410-477-1975. You can also get that gift card over the phone and they'll mail it out to you. That's the Costas Inn, 410-477-1975. Still in business. Let's keep them that way. Hey, it's Glenn Clark, and I have to admit, I'm kind of a dumb guy. I know, you already know that. But really, I knew I wanted to get a vasectomy. I just didn't really know what I was doing. And if you're in the same boat, I've got a new podcast for you. It's called What to Expect When You Don't Want to Be Expecting. It's a short series podcast I host with Dr. Brad Lerner from Chesapeake Urology. You can watch it Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports by clicking on the Videos tab or YouTube.com slash PressBoxSports. It's also available on SoundCloud and iTunes. It's What to Expect When You Don't Want to Be Expecting and if you have more questions, call Dr. Lerner or any of the specialists at Chesapeake Urology, 410-896-1616. 
the latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bill Ordine dives into the future of sports betting here in Maryland with the push for legalization having already played out in neighboring states. Plus, our annual college lacrosse outlook as we get to know the area's top men's and women's players, including Johns Hopkins' Joey Epstein and Maryland's Brindy Griffin. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Sliders Bar and Grill is now operating with a full carryout menu. Eat just like you're out for lunch or dinner. Call Sliders at 410-547-8891. You can also see the full menu at slidersbaltimore.com. Sliders, one of Baltimore's original continuously operating bars, now with a full carryout menu. Slidersbaltimore.com. Okay, I'm getting an Italian cold cut with oil and vinegar. Turkey and Swiss with extra mayo for me. And I want a ham and cheese with everything. Before we go to the game, we go to Royal Farms. It's not football without a Royal Farms sub. At Royal Farms, it's all fresh. And delicious. In this town, you don't tailgate with a hoagie. You tailgate with a Royal Farms sub and world-famous chicken. Royal Farms. Real fresh. Real fast. Real Baltimore. If it's happening in Baltimore sports and beyond, it's happening on Glenn Clark Radio. He is Mr. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Glad to be back on. Ravens linebacker Matt Judon. Appreciate y'all. How y'all doing? He is Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Coach Mark Turgeon. You bet, guys. How you guys doing? Joe Burrow. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Coach Mike Loxley. Thanks for having me on. Jalen Stick-Smith. Thanks for having me The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be he is the great Dickie V, Dick Vitale. Kyle, too diaper dandy. What's up, fellas? Hey, what's going on, Ed? Glenn and Kyle are live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon, and archived anytime. Watch Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Oh, we are back on the bat around on this Saturday morning. Did you and catch the? Uh, no, I did not hear the promo. Uh, the promo. Well, yeah, but just uh, you know the calls, and we've had that promo running a little bit of various. Yeah. Uh, Dick Vitale says, uh, "Glenn and Glenn and Kyle, two diaper dandies." <laughs> well, they are two diaper dandies. Yeah. So, are, so are you and I. Yeah. Joining us right now is an old friend of mine, and Bruce. I was trying to think of it, Bruce Bouchel. We've known each other since about 1973. That's like 47 years. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember anything beyond uh, a week ago, actually. <laughs> yeah. Remember me? Some, remember me? Sometimes that's a good thing, though. <laughs> but hold the wait. Can I, can I ask a question? Yes. Are, are you two in the same room? Yes, yes. we are. Yes, we are. We're about uh, two are you feet apart. Masks? I'm no. wearing a glove, uh, I'm wearing a rubber glove. A, a rubber glove? Yeah. yeah. A catcher's glove? Uh, no, it's not, not a catcher's glove. No, it's but he, glove. Uses, he uses them both about the same. Ho- <laughs> hopefully, if I come in contact with any germs, that glove is what's picking it up. Yeah, frame uh, it. Yeah. Frame the germs. Hey, uh, Bruce Bouchel is with us, a longtime uh, author, and uh, also writes a lot of freelance stuff for uh, GQ, Esquire, Vanity Fair, New York Times, and yeah, a whole yeah, host yeah. of other uh, big publications. But I'm having you on today to talk a little bit about one of the saddest parts of this whole thing. Not the most serious part, but one of the saddest parts is 
this is a time of year, and you've played continuously or contiguously since 1981. Fantasy drafts are being lost, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yeah. Although I have read, I have heard some people have actually had their drafts. There's a few groups who meet in Arizona every year right. to go to spring training, and and sometime during spring training, they actually have their draft, and they did this year also. Yeah, the Tout League and all those big time, you know, big money leagues. Yeah, they they do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, other other smaller leagues that we don't hear about also. There right. are many many leagues. You know, one of the great things about fantasy baseball is that it's always been rooted in reality. When baseball goes on strike, it affects fantasy baseball. When baseball has a great year, it affects fantasy baseball. So when baseball is having this pandemic year, it is rooted in reality. Um, So we suffer the way everybody suffers, and um, at, at actually, ironically, a time where fantasy baseball could be a great boon yeah. to one's disposition, um, it's not there. Well, you know, what? what's really sad about this time, and I'm not even talking about once opening day starts, is when I first played and I was, I believe, four years behind you. You used to tell me about it. You were the first person I knew that was really involved in this. You said, you got to start one of these, you know. And I started one in 1985, and you had played since 81. You said, Stan, the the draft is the best day, will be the best day of your life. And I think you even said, including my marriage and the birth of my two sons, but I got the gist of what you meant. What's so special about the draft? That to those that play and love this game, just to just to clarify, it's not the best day of your life. It wasn't the best day of my life. It's the best day of the year. Okay. Well, um, see, I'd leave it to me to misquote. And, hey, that's why I'm here. Yeah. To straighten out all the uh, misconceptions. No, I. In, in fact, some friends in my league and I are writing a book called "The Best Day of the Year." Yeah. And it's, it's a collection of essays because everybody kind of agrees. It, why is it the best day of the year? There's many reasons. A, you get to see a lot of people that you don't see a lot. I mean, we always do it live, right. and it's a whole day. And afterwards, we go out to dinner, and we have a few drinks, uh, and we tell each other how terrible their teams are. Um. So the day itself is filled with tension, and uh, it dictates, which everybody knows, it dictates your happiness level for the next six months. Every decision you make, 23, is 23 too much? Should I say 24? Will actually have an effect on almost every day for the next half year. So, but at the same time, it means nothing at all yeah, to anybody at all. So it's filled with drama and trauma, and you can do it, and you're not making real decisions that affect uh, other people. We got our producer, Paul Valley, wants to ask you a question. Sure. 
Hey, Bruce, so you've been playing fantasy baseball since, for, he said, for about 40 years, since 1981. Yeah. Now, t- today's age, you know, you can get on your phone and have everything, you know, at the, at the touch of a button. What was it like playing bef- before the internet? What was it and the, like? And the, Tell us, Grandpa. Uh, no, no, what no, but, like? but, but these apps, <laughs> did you have to wait for the newspaper clippings the next day? Did you have to look at box scores and, and papers to see how your team did? That's what was a that great like? Qu- great question. Great. You know, the people most vulnerable to the coronavirus are over 70 and people who were playing fantasy baseball in the 1980s. (laughs) Um, What was it like? Yes, it was entirely different. You had to subscribe to newspapers from a lot of cities. I used to get the Kansas City paper and the, you know, um, you had to follow Spanish baseball. You had to read El Diario in the off-season. You would call uh, PR directors at teams and lie and say, I'm calling from the New York Times, and I want to know uh, who's, who's in the bullpen this season and, or who's, who's hurt. There were no reports. There were no daily uh, injury reports. Uh, it took work. We used to go as a group, many of us, to Florida uh, in spring training to actually do some scouting to interview Rick Lysander, um, talk to George Brett if he was going to steal bases that season. Um, I offered Chet Lemon $20 if he could steal a few more bases. Um, <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was rudimentary. And um, you, yeah. now you really don't have to study until a week or two beforehand. It's all available on the Internet. You 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 told me a story once, and I, it was part joke, but there was one guy, and I've taken that moniker in my league, who has the worst luck with injuries, and I don't remember if it was Steve Levy or not, but you said when he would come down to talk to the players, they would go, oh, the vice of angle, the angel of death. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the other part of it was that you really did have to call people and yeah. talk to people, and if you wanted to trade, oh, and you used to have to call in the middle of the games every night. There was like an 800 number or a 900 number that would charge you 50 cents to get an update on a game. Right, right. Right? Was, was there a sports line or something? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Craig's yeah. got a question. I do, I do have a question for you now. It's not necessarily fantasy. However... There was a game that we played back then, Stratomatic, and the reason I bring this up is a friend of mine posted a picture that he had just bought another Stratomatic game, and I was like, we used to play this in the 70s back at uh, in Salisbury at WBOC. He was the sports director down there, uh, and uh, you we would go and have our league and our draft. How different is drafting for something like that as opposed to drafting for fantasy? Depending on the rules of your league, I mean, I think in our league, it's very different, but it is an evolution from that, yeah. that fundamental uh, okay. game. Yeah, that's, what um, I, that's a good way We to have put it. 12 teams, American League only, and we draft 20, 25 people on the team and seven reserves. So you really have to know the minor leagues. You have to know who may or may not come up this year. 
um, it gets pretty deep and, and and detailed, which is different than Stratomatic. As I recall it, the stars were the stars. Yeah. And they made the difference. Now, that stuff is pretty obvious, and you really need to know um, the third-string catcher in Albany, I think. The top relief prospect in a minor leagues that might come up and get saves or something like that, yeah. You know, getting back to Paul's question, which was such a fascinating one, Bruce, and you didn't really touch on that specifically, we used to now... You can you can put your team up at any time during the night and know exactly how you're doing at any minute. You used yep. to have to wait for the stats to be mailed out, literally, you know, put in a mailbox by a stat service that would send them to you the first, would you say, f- 10 years we played, Bruce? I'd say there was no stat service when this started. The first league was in 1980, the National League. Right. And then we started the American League offshoot of that in 1981. And Weezy Shapiro, right. who, worked, who for worked for ESPN, okay. did our stats by hand wow. once a week. Wow. You had no idea where you were until Monday. Because on Sunday, on her day off, she would do the stats by hand. That's amazing. And I'm not sure how accurate they were. Right. But <laughs> there, there they were. Um, the third year, somebody in our league, Phil Rosenberg, a TV writer, invented this, you know, really sketchy um, program. And we started to do it. I think it was five, six years into it where Worse. there was a stat service. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's and the reason we had stat servers. We started four or five years after you. Yeah, we started right. in 85. We did have access to a stat service, so that answered that question. All right. What do you still love about the game, and uh, what are you missing the most right now? What am I missing the most? I'm missing baseball the most. Uh, as far as fantasy goes, I'm missing um, every minute of the day that I'm not doing something real or yeah. important is um, is strewn with fantasy. Reading about it, thinking about it, drawing up trades. Um, well, now I guess it would be getting getting ready for the draft. Our, our draft was going to be Sunday, March 29th. So. I miss not having little pieces of postum all over the house with little names and numbers on it. I bet uh, Tina. Little... I bet Tina misses that too. <laughs> Tina, <laughs> Tina, who's, who's Tina? Tina? Oh, I remember her. Yeah. She's she's quarantined in the other part of the house. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. Um, I have to say that I've been training most of my adult life to for this to for be this quarantined. Quarantining yeah. thing, yeah. yeah. Writers don't go out anyway. That's right. That's right. So now I can just stay home and binge watch the new Pope and what you people used to make fun of me for. Now I'm a socially conscious person and I'm keeping my distance. And for being lazy, no good bum, now I'm like a, a hero. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah, doing, you're doing what's right. Hey, that's uh, right. remember, I. I I think I texted you the other day. Try find Netflix Troop Zero. Actually, it might be on Amazon Prime. Troop Zero, really small gem of a film. 
All right. Okay. Love you, Bruce. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. We got Boog Pal coming up. You got any questions for Boog? Does Does Boog play fantasy baseball? No, he does. No, he doesn't. No, but if you had him in the late '60s and early '70s, you would have you done, would, you would have done yeah, well. You bet. You bet. <laughs> I remember a time, Dwayne Org. Remember yeah, him? Yeah, the, sure. Okay, His brother Third was Garth Org. Yeah. yeah, Dane Org. Yeah. yeah, okay. Garth. Dwayne Org. Um, met him in Florida. He comes up to us. We were standing on the sideline. A couple of us. He comes up. He goes, "How much did I go for <laughs> last year in your draft?" <laughs> We said one dollar. Yeah. Fuck you! Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all Bye-bye. right. That's all right. This is on the uh, internet. It's oh, right. okay. Right. Okay, cool. Although it is uh, on Facebook Live. That was Bruce Bushell. <laughs> That's right. That yes, said it that. was. Yeah. Bye. Send cards and letters. <laughs> all right. See you soon, Brucey. All right. We're going to make our contact with Boog Pal momentarily. Uh, that is. That ended abruptly. Um, we remind you that as of the moment, Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer are due to be back in on Monday morning with the Glenn Clark radio program from 10 to noon. Please like and share the programs, and they are all coming to you from the Live Casino Hotel Studio. The Live Casino Hotel Studio. Uh, Boot Pal is going to talk to us a little bit about the 50, 50th anniversary of the 1970 World Series. What's really interesting about Boog and and winning the MVP that year yep. was the fact that he always used to say that Harmon Killebrew really should have wanted, because he had a better year well, in 69, introdu- right? Introduce him. Well, Boog Pal, who runs that barbecue stand out on Utah Street, and now I guess is in Florida? Is that what you said? He lives in Key West. Okay, there you go. Booger, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great down here in uh, windy, sunny, lonely Key West. Yeah? Hot, right? Hot Key West? Hot. Yeah, it's hot down here. Well, now let me let me let me ask you this real quick. Was I was I right on that? Did you th- thought Harmon Killebrew probably uh, should have won the? Uh, well, Boog won it in seventy. Seventy, right? But uh, in sixty nine, I think you said you had actually a better year, and probably should have won it then. Well, you know, I hit. I think I hit three oh five and. Uh, Drove in 121. Yeah. And um, I think Keller Keller hit 40-some and drove in 140. Um, it, you know, it was, a, it was a better year for me, not necessarily the best year in the American League. Right. But it was a better year for me personally than 70. But by 70... They knew who I was and wouldn't pitch to me. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. We're talking with Boog Powell, former Oriole great. And can you guys give me a little bit more volume? I can barely hear you. I don't know if oh. it's your fault or mine. All right, hold on. Try it now. How's that? Any better? Mm, I can barely, barely hear you. Okay, let me see if, uh, no, that's not, that's just my headsets. All right, we'll try and make it through. We'll talk a little louder, Boog. How's that? Okay. Any better? All right. We'll yeah, try it. it's a little better if you can speak up a little bit. All right, we'll talk, talk a little bit louder. You're not being a pain in the bungee. <laughs> hey, this is uh, 
1970 was 50 years ago from this year. Um, wow. So that's a, a pretty good. that's a pretty special anniversary, isn't it, to the survivors that have lasted this long? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, and you know, you you look back at the picture of that year, and you know, there's there's a bunch of people that are gone already. Yep. And that was only just 50 years ago. You know, the 66 team, you look at that, and I, I'm not sure how many are how many are there after the 66 World Series. Anyway, yeah, it was a... Uh, what do you remember? It was, a, it was a great, it was a great year, and it was a, it was a big thrill for me. I, I can remember to this day uh, sitting in my yard down in Miami with my with my daughter Jennifer up in my boat. I was in my boat doing some work when I got the news, and the, the Miami Herald showed up with a with a photographer. They got some pictures of me in the boat. I still got them. I thought that was pretty cool. So, so 1970, obviously the, the great disappointment of the shocking loss to the Mets in 69. Did that fuel the team throughout 1970? I think, uh, you know, it wasn't something that came to the surface. Uh, we, you know, we spoke about it a little bit in spring training that year. and But we, you know, we just, I think each one of us, kind of knew that it was it was on us yeah to do something about that last year because we were better than that yeah and uh, it was it was underneath it was stuck in our it stuck in our craw uh, that we got beat but you know we didn't get beat by a terrible team I mean those guys were pretty good yep so but anyway it was uh Anyway, we you know we had a heck of a team. Uh, it was just it was a tough it was a tough pill to swallow all winter long. Was was you know, we was Weaver any different in '70 than he was in '69? I think he was more subdued. Okay. As a uh, as a manager with the ball players, he was. And, you know, he was always kind of he was kind of spicy. I might say. Uh, and uh, you know and and then of course he got thrown out of the game in the World Series that year in uh, 69 right and uh, he was always he was always into something but he just seemed I mean what did he have to get upset about I mean right I think we we were in first place from start to finish we had a comfortable lead just about all year and no matter how bad he tried to screw it up he couldn't (laughs) <laughs> well, the one th- the one thing he did have was Palmer, Cuellar, McNally in '70, and then he also had added Pat Dobson to that in '71. So right. when when you got those amount of people winning 20 games a year, you know we we saw a World Series last year, Boog, and where all of a sudden. Mike Rizzo and the Nationals said starting pitching was going to be the key, and it certainly was for them with those three guys that they can throw out there. Uh, but oh, yeah. you, you can probably look back and say, you know, that was, that was easily the strong suit of this team. Well, you know, that our, t- our team was built, I think, around pitching first. 
it, it wasn't a coincidence that they were good. I mean, we were better on defense. Yeah. And you look at our defensive stats, and the pitchers just love to pitch. Uh, with, you know, Brooks at third, and Blade at short, or Louie at short, and Davey, and Bobby Gritch, and me, and playing first. And, I mean. And Blair in and center. Blair in center, center, yeah. Field, and and Bleffrey, or, or Buford in the left. And, you know, it was just, a, and Frank and right, and Frank was not a slouch in right field. Either. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. And uh, so, I mean, we didn't give up anything. And if you got, if you beat us, you had to beat us. We weren't going to give you a game. Yeah, and that's probably the biggest thing. Don't beat yourself. Uh, that's exactly right. In, in terms of... What that team, I mean, do you ever look back on it, Boog, and say, 69-70-71, you know, we were probably the best team in all of baseball, but you only came away with one World Series. Does that stick in your crawl at all? Yeah, yeah, it does a little bit. I mean, we were 2-2 two and two in World Series. I, the only, I, I felt, I felt that, I don't know, we, we got beat in 71, and I think we were a better team than them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and they had Clemente and Stargell. And they had, you know, they had some good players. But And Steve Glass, you know, wins two games. And it was just, uh, he should have never beat us twice. Yeah. Probably should have never beat us once with that stuff he had. But he was <laughs> he getting did. by with it. He did, and, yeah. And he was, you know, he was, I should, I, I felt, kind of personally responsible, you know, being our big left-hand hitter, uh, not to make excuses. I was playing with a broken wrist, and I was a little bit, you know, I was a little handicapped, but at the same time, that that wasn't an excuse. Boog. Was not an excuse for me. I just felt like I should have done more as I look back on it, but, you know, I can't do anything about it now, and uh, I don't lose any sleep over it. I really don't. Hey, I'm going to read you some numbers. We know that Palmer and McNally are probably the two famed pitchers from that era, but here's here's a guy. I'm going to mention his name in a second. 1969, his first year with the team, starts 39 times. 1970, he started 40 times. 1971, 38 times. He won 20 games or more all three of those seasons. The numbers are still fantastic. Five years down the road, he was starting thirty-eight. How important was he to that stretch, Boog? Uh, he was he was precious. I just I loved to play behind him. You know, he'd usually go out. He he would kind of struggle in the first couple of innings. Right. He'd give up a couple of runs. and said, "Oh no!" And then all of a sudden, you weren't getting anything. I mean, you weren't even able to put the bat on the ball. I mean, it was just. It was, it was just incredible what a wonderful job he did. And, you know, people talk about the, you know, the great trade for, you know, for Milk Pappas for Frank Robinson. Yeah. What about Kurt Bluffery for Mike Quayle? Yeah. That's a hell of a trade. I mean, that was a that's pretty a hell of a trade. trade, too. Yeah. Boog, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the show uh, is, obviously, if you're following the Orioles, and I know you do, you're, you're familiar with Trey Mancini's situation. Uh, 
who had surgery to relieve uh, to to remove a malignant tumor from his colon. You went through that uh, back in the Been mid back in the mid nineties, and uh, mm-hmm. I remember that specifically because you and 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 the guy who was playing for the Orioles at that time, Eric Davis, also had to go through it. Was it. About six weeks apart, wasn't it, Boog? I'm not exactly sure of the time frame. Yeah, it might have been ten weeks I, apart. Yeah, yeah. I knew I knew that Eric had, had the same had the surgery, and when I got diagnosed, I went to the ballpark and I asked Eric. I said, "Eric, can I see your scar?" You know? <laughs> and, and he pulled his shirt up, and there it was. He had looked at. They cut around his belly button, mm. straight up, split him open like a chicken. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and, and went in there and took care of the business and closed him up. The same surgeon uh, did both did of them. Did yeah. Me. yeah, that was a special. I know you. I know you're a wonderful job. I know you're not in touch with Eric right this moment. But what did it mean to to have somebody with the team? You were selling the barbecue, but you were with the team that that went through it first. Did it? Did it ease your fears a little bit well yes it did um you know he he didn't look any worse for the wear yeah uh there was no guarantees and they got up they got his off they got all of his tumor right and uh there's still an element of uh i don't know not being sure whether they were going to get it all and they told me exactly what it was and where it was and there was a tumor the size of a baseball on the transverse part of my colon, and that comes from comes across. It's coming across your stomach, just below your just below your belly button, and and it was uh, you know it was quite a it was quite a thing. And uh, I came out, and the doc says I got it all. Wow! And I and I said, well. There was some question as to whether I was going to do chemotherapy or not. Right. And I asked him, I said, Doc, I said, if, if you were me, would you take it or not? He says, well, certainly you don't have to. But if I was you, I would do it. Yeah. No, that was the end of the conversation right there. Yeah. Because, and I did 18 weeks of chemo, and that was not much fun. But after it was all over and... You know, I've, I've been to the doctors and been through MRIs and done everything else. He said, you're clean, you're clean and you're good to go. Knowing, and, knowing the difference in age between you, Eric, and Trey Mancini. Trey, of course, 28. Eric was 36 or 35 at the time. You were in the 50s at the time. Uh, right. What's your best guess as to, I mean, is this a lost season if they play baseball at all? Is this a lost season for Trey? Well, did, did Eric come back Eric, that year? Eric came back and played some, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah because he, when he was taking the chemo, Boog, he wound up, uh, you know, maybe missing a game, but then he was in the lineup the next day. Yeah. And that was uh, yeah, during I, that playoff run. Yeah, and I I think I'm I'm I don't know if I'm speaking out of school or not, but I I think Trey's surgery was uh, uh, was was done with uh, uh, what do they call it? Well, they, laser knife. They, or, they didn't have to open yeah. him up quite as much. Yeah. I don't think there was a big scar. Right. There's a terminology. I'm losing it. Right. Right. Minute. Right. 
but, but you, you know, know they, go, they go in there arthroscopically. Arthroscopically, okay. Well, yeah, we don't know the path- we don't know the pathology yet. It's really no, not our right. it's not our business, but we'll know a lot more about the prognosis once we hear about right. that. And we're hoping that it was yeah. not as as large as yours. And you would think yeah. at his age it wouldn't be. We're talking with yeah, Boog we'll call, now. We'll call it a resection. And yeah. I talked to uh, I talked to Trey's mom. Yep. And she said that it was in their family. Yep. And. Um, so, and it might be a blessing in disguise. No question about it. A blessing about, that he yep. got discovered when he got discovered because, I, you know, things can hang around for a long time. And and my good friend Charlie Lau yep. uh, passed from that. Yep. And he had colon cancer, and it was just too late yep. when they discovered it in him. Hey, hey, Boog, I wanted to move on to one other topic before we let you go. This is your second year. It got interrupted like a lot of things, it got interrupted by the COVID-19 and the pandemic. Uh, but your thoughts on uh, sort of a rebirth of Boogs at spring training, not a rebirth, a birth of Boogs at spring training. How much do you enjoy going down there for the eight or ten t- games you go? Oh, it's great fun. I've, and my son, uh, you saw, you were down there, and you saw how hard he worked. Yep. And we, it's really more indicative of the kind of barbecue place that my son and I would run as opposed to right. what we do in Camden Yards. Not that there's anything wrong with what we do at Camden right. Yards. It's a little bit, it's just a little different. And, uh, you know, we do a barbecue Sunday and we do a, uh, we do a barbecuban sandwich. Right. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. And, uh, we got, you know, just a couple of little different things. And the pork is, we do pulled pork instead of sliced tenderloin. And the turkey is just a little bit different. But the pit beef is pretty much the same. Yeah, the hamburgers are great down there, too. i got to oh, tell you, the good. hamburgers are absolutely oh, out of this man, world. I love them. i, I got to have at least one every day. Do, does it give you some tremendous pride when you get there? And I'm not talking about where in your mind the cash register's ringing but when you see the line of 75, 100 people oh, yeah. waiting in line you know just to really get cool? a talk to you. yeah. What's really cool is when I'm not there and the lines are still 75 yards <laughs> long. They're actually, you know, lo- they're actually longer when you're not there, Boog. <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. Of course, there's, you know, there might be a different team playing yeah. in Sarasota. You know, it might be the Yankees playing because yep. the Yankees are going to draw more in Boston. Yeah are going to pack it. And believe it or not, one of our best crowds this year was against Minnesota. Yeah. We had a really really good crowd against Minnesota. But, um, you know, the people that are down there have a a lot of local people that that are from Maryland but have have been to Boogs up there, but they come to the ballpark and they said, thank goodness. Yeah. We can finally get some boots. Yep. You know, and hey, I don't. I have a good time with them, and I I play around with people a lot. I I, I enjoy doing what I do and kibitzing and talking about the team, and that's, that's kind of what I do. Do you think they should all bring their gloves? You witnessed what happened to me that that standing there talking to that's you. That's right. I you had got about almost hit in the. Uh, I got hit in, in the, the knee, almost in the groin, and almost uh, in the comosleoma. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Boog, I got to tell you, 
I, I, I'm sure you had a lot to do with setting that up. You just got to do a better <laughs> job next time. <laughs> no, it was if I was going to set it up, I wouldn't have had it come that close to me. That's right. <laughs> No, the because people. The, was, he was standing right next to me. I was standing right next to him. I had about two seconds. I had two seconds notice. Luckily, it hit the flap of Boog's tent, mm-hmm. and I think it, right. it it moved it down the trajectory, and it hit me in the flesh of the knee. I thought I was really going to be in trouble. Uh, so, yeah, if you go to Boog's next, it's a, it's a dangerous place. If you go to Boog's next year in spring training, make sure you have your glove or you lead That's with right. your wife. Or you lead with your your work. Yeah. Hey, Boog, we really appreciate you coming on and talking about a troika of things, the 70 World Series, the uh, Trey Mancini surgery, and how we hope uh, he has a great result that comes out of this and also uh, doing business. We hope to see you soon. Uh, We'll keep our thoughts and prayers out there for everybody. Absolutely. It's always good being with you guys and talking to you. All right. Keep up the good work. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Okay, Bubba. All right. I want to remind you we are broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studios. The Live Casino Hotel Studios. Uh, sliders Barn Grill is now operating with a full carryout menu. Eat just like you're out for lunch or dinner. Call Sliders at 410-547-8891 or Four four three eight three five zero nine zero six. You can also see the full menu at slidersbaltimore.com. Sliders, one of Baltimore's originally continuously operating bars, now with a full carryout menu, and all of their daily specials are still available, and they are still 771 feet from home plate at Camden Yards. That's Sliders one of our loyal sponsors. Just remind you to make an appointment with Dr. Lerner or any one of the specialists in Chesapeake or at Chesapeake Urology. Call 410-896-1616 or go to chesapeakeurology.com. Chesapeake Urology is a leader in vasectomy surgery, and our own Glenn Clark had his yesterday. He expects to be in on Monday from 10 to noon. We'll take a time out and come back. With our last couple, uh, might as well say it on the air. Go ahead. Did I, I not read something? I think you still have a, I think you still have a blue pit to read. Uh, you're absolutely right. So let's play the spots. We'll come back, and I'll do the blue pit barbecue. I apologize. Being stuck at home isn't fun, but Glory Days Grill can help make your staycation a bit more of a vacation. Eating in can be awesome with the full Glory Days menu available for pickup. Lunch and dinner for a few people, the entire office, or your family with curbside pickup and easy online ordering. Go to glorydaysgrill.com or download the free Glory Days Grill app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Order now and get ready to pick your food up from one of their seven Maryland locations. Glory Days Grill. Great food. Good sports. Well, as you read about in the Washington Post, I'm getting a vasectomy. And no, it's not going to happen during March Madness, unfortunately. But it's still the right decision for myself and, more importantly, for my family. And I was able to feel confidence in that decision after a great consultation with Dr. Brad Lerner at Chesapeake Urology. He really walked me through everything I should expect because I don't want to be expecting. To make your appointment with Dr. Lerner or any of the specialists at Chesapeake Urology, call 410 410- 
210-896-1616 or go to chesapeakeurology.com. Chesapeake Urology is a leader in vasectomy surgery. If you're looking to make an impact, there's no better place to do that than the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to fight and cure deadly diseases, develop technologies, or seek adventures across the globe, the Army is where all of that can happen, and so much more. The Army is a team of a million individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation and the world, and to win. Ask yourself, what's your warrior? Go to army.com slash Baltimore to find out. To learn more, contact your local Army recruiter and find us on social media at U.S. Army Baltimore. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bill Ordine dives into the future of sports betting here in Maryland with the push for legalization having already played out in neighboring states. Plus, our annual college lacrosse outlook as we get to know the area's top men's and women's players, including Johns Hopkins' Joey Epstein and Maryland's Brindy Griffin. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. What has two premium cod fillets breaded and cooked to tasty perfection and served on a toasted buttered bun with dill pickle chips? It's the Chick-fil-A fish sandwich, and it's back at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. This also means that the fish strips and deluxe fish sandwich have resurfaced. Chick-fil-A fish is the lightest, flakiest, tastiest fish you'll ever put in your mouth. Keep that in mind every Friday in particular. While unfortunately the dining room isn't open right now at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, you can still use the drive-thru or order ahead and pick up download the chick-fil-a app place your order and pile up chick-fil-a bonus points good for free food 5198 campbell boulevard 410-931-0031 for chick-fil-a nottingham square the biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common you've heard them on jobbing out brett the hitman hard good to be on the show adam cole how are you guys doing today matt riddle yeah man thanks man broken matt hardy excellent the bad guy scott hall hey yo Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. <laughs> And we are back. And uh, before we say goodbye, we'll say hello to the best barbecue in the area. It's still available. Blue Pit Barbecue in Hamden continues to offer their full menu for pickup or delivery, including pounds of meat and quarts of their mouth-watering sides. Plus, you can pick up drinks like their house old-fashioned and their delicious mules. Find out all uh, find out all the daily alcohol options at bluepitbbq.com, where you can also place your order. Call Blue Pit 443-948-5590. All tips go directly to their service staff to support them during this tough time. Support a great local business with the best barbecue in town. Go to bluepitbbq.com. Craig, uh, we thank you for coming in today yep. under these uh, circumstances. We'll keep you abreast of uh, show schedule as we move forward this week. As of right now, 
Glenn Clark uh, due to be in Monday through Friday with uh, Kyle Ottenheimer. We'll see if the powers that be think that that's uh, safe for all of us. And uh, you stay stay well and take good care of yourself. We'll do what we can. All right. You too, Paul Valley, uh, And for all of us here at uh, PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com, we'll bid you adieu and uh, stay safe out there.